But when it comes down to really launching your business, Seth Godin, who is a friend of mine and one of the 30 master mentors, will tell you, no, you shouldn't focus on your total addressable market. It should be your smallest viable market. Who is your first customer? What is their name? What is their profile? What is your smallest viable market? I don't want 100 customers. I want 10 great customers. Get very clear on who are your core customers. What is their circumstance? What is their, quote, job to be done? And how do you solve that for them? I think it's terribly important to insist on individual values. Learning culture podcast. Initiative, creation, all these things which we value. It's now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than was ever possible before. Learning culture podcast teach people to analyze the kind of things that are said to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Learning Culture Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Barry. This is a show about creating cultures of continuous learning inside companies. And joining me this week was Scott Jeffrey Miller. Scott is an entrepreneur and also a senior advisor for thought leadership for Franklin Covey. It's a fascinating role and sees Scott's day-to-day cover a lot of the topics we've talked about on this podcast. He says in our conversation that no one can call themselves a thought leader. Many do, but those are the people you should avoid. It has to be bestowed upon you. And he has dedicated his recent years to building out what that means to be able to be recognized as a thought leader. In his own capacity, Scott authors a leadership column for Inc.com. He's a best-selling author of multiple books and as the host of the Franklin Covey-sponsored podcast called On Leadership with Scott Miller. This podcast is a weekly show that interviews renowned business titans, authors, and thought leaders. And it's from this podcast that Scott has mined the wisdom of mentors for his book, Master Mentors. It's an anthology of 30 of those conversations where he has taken the time to distill a transformational insight from each of them and share prompts and questions, and of course, a story behind it to help you apply that in your own life. This conversation dances around all of the different transformational insights that Scott gleaned from his years interviewing these incredible personalities. I guarantee you there is something in this episode for you, and if you're like me, you'll take away almost all of it. So please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Scott Jeffrey Miller. Scott, welcome to the show. Andrew, thank you for the spotlight and the platform. Yeah, I'm super excited to dive into your book and all the lessons that you've, you've learned from that. You are, so I first of all, I want to start with this, this role, the Senior Advisor of Thought Leadership at Franklin Covey. What actually goes into that other than hosting this incredible show that you have? What is that? So I've been an associate of the Franklin Covey Company for 25 years. We, of course, are one of the world's most influential leadership companies. I was the chief marketing officer for a decade, and then I transitioned to become the executive vice president of thought leadership. You know, thought mm-hmm. leadership is a kind of a buzzword out there, right? You can't declare yourself a thought leader. Someone has to decide you are one. So thought leadership yeah. really is around just you know, uh, articulating your point of view, your expertise, and aiming at the direction of people who care. And so my role is now as an advisor to the firm, my role is to lead their book strategy. We've sold 60 million copies of our books across our many decades. We now host the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. So I lead a team of very competent people where we decide what books we're going to write, 
where we're going to give speeches and keynotes, what podcast our authors are going to be on, and who we're going to host on our podcast as well. And after 25 years in the firm, I earned the right to publish four books on my own, all of which have delightfully become bestsellers through either Wall Street Journal or Amazon. And I'm the host of now what is the world's largest weekly leadership podcast called On Leadership with Scott Miller, where every week, just like you, I get to interview remarkable people and share the insights from their own journey as well. So in many ways, our company is a spotlight for other people's thought leadership, sometimes even competitors, because we have a bit of an, we have an abundance mentality, not a scarce strategy. Yeah. I mean, it's a big part of the strategy of behind my podcast in terms of growing my brand and the businesses that that I'm involved in. And that's what's fascinating for me about this conversation. And I want to sort of unpack that for your own leadership podcast, the lessons you've drawn from that into your new book, Master Mentors. And I specifically want to, so I love that point, by the way, that you don't ever, you, no one can call yourself a thought leader. You have to be bestowed. Well, some, some do. But Some don't. do, absolutely. Don't. And those are the ones that you avoid, but it's something that's bestowed. And I'm curious that your background is in marketing. Am, am I correct? Like originally sales and marketing. That's right. Sales and marketing. So what are the most counterintuitive and maybe it doesn't have to be counterintuitive or could also just be helpful things yeah. that you've have drawn on from that background that you're using in building out thought leadership for Franklin Covey? I'd say there's two things. So I spent about 15 years in a sales and sales leadership role and about 10 years as the chief marketing officer. The one big idea that I think I learned from the sales side is you have to move beyond your comfort zone. Ask another question of your client. Ask a clarifying question. And it may feel uncomfortable, right? What is your decision-making process? Who decides? Who signs the final authorization? Who needs to be in the room that can write the check or sign the contract, right? You have to make sure you understand what is the client's decision-making process. I've seen many seasoned salespeople think they've got a deal. They're nowhere near a deal. They, they, They don't really have, they haven't asked the tough questions yet of what is the client's process to decide. On the marketing side, I think a lot of us are trained to think about the largest viable market. You hear it called as the total addressable market. Perhaps that's great for your small business administration loan or your VC funding. But when it comes down to really launching your business, Seth Godin, who is a friend of mine and one of the 30 master mentors, will tell you, no, you shouldn't focus on your total addressable market. It should be your smallest viable market. Who is your first customer? What is their name? What is their profile? The best marketers name them. Like her name is Sally and she's 36 and she has an MBA, but now she has a side hustle and wants to be a solopreneur. You get the point. It's that customer profile and journey. What is your smallest viable market? Mm. I don't think, I mean, I don't want 100 customers. I want 10 great customers. Yeah. And so I think it's counterintuitive for marketing. We try to boil the ocean. Our restaurant's for everyone. Our book is for everyone. No, your book is not for everyone, nor is your restaurant. Get very clear on who are your core customers, what is their circumstance, what is their, quote, job to be done, and how do you solve that for them? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote about this recently, the idea that ultra-specificity is actually the key, and then the internet gets you that scale, like because and you need ultra-specificity to get to that scale, so others, because people need to see themselves in that. It's It's easier to say everybody is your client. It's easier to pray and spray. Yeah. It's much more difficult to curate very carefully your your you what you said. What did you call it again? Ultra specificity. 
ultra specificity, or, right? It's your ultra yeah. specific yeah. target market. It takes, yeah, it takes exactly. deliberation and patience and unnatural focus. Yeah. And it's, and maybe counterintuitively, it's actually easier to scale once you've started like that. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Because now you can go look at, you can find lookalikes. You know what kind exactly. of profile, you who to connect to on LinkedIn, who to have yeah. follow you on Instagram, how to target your message in a way that yeah. they will resonate. Over time, you're right. It's exponentially easier and more profitable, but you have to do the front hard work up front. Yeah. So, so those two two strategies that one makes sense. How is the concept of asking tough questions, getting out of the comfort zone? How have you applied that in in building out the podcast and selling books? Well, I think the smartest thing I ever heard was from an author named Blaine Lee. He said, "Nearly all." if not all conflict in life comes from mismatched or unfulfilled expectations. So I thrive on clarity. I, I hate ambiguity. My wife thinks that I, I, I like conflict. I don't, but I, but I seek conflict to get to harmony, to get mm. to clarity, to get to unity. And so in many ways, when I'm interviewing someone, I'm not a journalist. I'm not an investigative reporter. I like to provide a, a, a comfortable atmosphere to allow them to share their thoughts. I like to make sure we're on the same page in terms of what are their intentions and what are mine. And, mm -hmm. and so I like to ask questions that allow people to clarify themselves or perhaps say something simpler or mm -hmm. just as profound, but in a way that the audience will be able to adapt. So I like to ask questions that create clarity and harmony. Mm -hmm. And that has clearly been applied through, I mean, it's, it's over 170 episodes now of, of on leadership. As someone hosting a podcast right now, what have you found? What did you, like, you look back at episode number one and you sort of like, oh, if only I knew what I know now. Like, what did you, what makes you cringe back then? What have you learned that's made you a better interviewer? Brother, where do I start? <laughs> Here's what I have learned. Listeners come for the guest, but they stay for the host. Hmm. And so the host has a very particular role that she or he plays. Sometimes you have to play small. Sometimes you play big. Sometimes you are funny. Sometimes you are serious. You know your guest. You know their journey. I've interviewed people that have survived commercial airline jet crashes. They literally fell from the sky in their chair. I've, in, I've, in, I've interviewed kidnapped victims that have been raped and tortured and and sodomized. I've interviewed comedians on TV, right? So you just have to have emotional agility, good EQ, understand what it is they're trying to accomplish, what your listener wants to learn. I think early on, I made it a little bit too much about me, too big a personality. My questions were way too long. I talked too much and I found my comfort zone. I like to make it comfortable for the guest. You know, Larry King, who actually agreed to write the forward to Master Mentors, that's he cool. passed away before I had a chance to do it, but he used yeah. to say he never read the books of the guests that he interviewed because he didn't want to be jaundiced. He wanted to kind of have a clean, and I don't know if I agree with that or don't. I think I like to read their books out of a courtesy respect to them. It takes a lot mm. of effort, mm. but I also like to watch interviews of questions other people have asked to maybe tease that further or steer away from that to provide a unique angle. So mm. of all the things I've learned I've probably learned to be comfortable with silence uh -huh. 
Because when I am silent, the person will typically say something more or disclose something new and interesting. So I have to become more comfortable with silence, which is unnatural for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the 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 idea of preparation. And I it's one of my favorite ways to prepare is to listen to previous podcasts that, that a guest has been on and and like you said, dive down into yeah. Let's talk about the book. It's absolutely brilliant. Your team does an incredible job um putting together just just everything you, you you kind of would want to be able to interview someone about this and you clearly have thought through it so well it's a, it, that's a i think the first impression i had um, going through it all what gave you the idea to to package these conversations into a book thank you for asking in fact i actually pitched it to a publisher that's very bullish on me and they passed they thought hmm. it was too episodic they wanted to have yeah. like a, a red a red thread, so to speak, right? Everything on yeah. leadership or everything on baseball. I said, no, no, no. It's episodic by nature. Not mm. um, I want it to be a little bit different. What gave me the idea, Andrew, was there was so much wisdom shared off air. Mm. You know, it would be like the three minutes before we went live or the five minutes after or in the green room. I said, Oh my gosh, I wish you would have shared that on air or in many cases, it wasn't what they said on air. It was how they showed up or perhaps how I knew them in a different role. Many of them are friends of mine. I've lived in this world privileged you know, for many decades, interviewing these people or perhaps being on stage with them speaking. So I wanted to bring together in a way that could share a transformational insight in a very practical, easy, breezy read. This is not a war and peace or you know, Jim Collins, good to great. It's a very easy read. Read a chapter yeah. a night, take you 10 minutes, right? It is yeah. what it is. It's nothing more. But I found that each of them had what I called a transformational insight that if I could tell perhaps through a story of my own, something I struggled with or somebody else that it might hit readers in a different way. And it could also increase interest in the podcast, but it was meant to kind of be a gift to hopefully to the world to recognize people that are famous and not famous. Mm -hmm. have insights that can hit you where you are. Perhaps you're a new mother. Perhaps you've been laid off. Perhaps you're divorced. Perhaps you're dealing with some trauma in your life. Perhaps you've been promoted. Maybe you've quit and you've started a new entrepreneurial company. Not every insight will hit everybody the same way. But I think if you read all 30 of them, you'll pick up three or four that might hit you where you are in your life. Yeah. So many things here have been topics on this this podcast, topics I've thought about and Topics I know a lot of people listening have thought about. And it's kind of cool that some of the guests here are like people that I hadn't heard of before or I didn't know mm-hmm. talked about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So before we get into some of these specifics, my, my last sort of meta question here is how did the process of condensing that transformational insight, what is, what were you, were you trying to like encapsulate the entire conversation, the most impactful thing about the guest? Like how did you go about that? It's a brilliant question. No one has asked that, I me mean, that question on multiple podcasts or radio interviews. I didn't want the insight to necessarily be associated with their expertise or brand. In mm. some cases, it was. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't try too hard. I just mm. kind of sat back. And from my own experience, you know, 30 years in a, a fairly a recognizable career with a, a level of success that I'm, I'm proud of and I'm not ashamed of, mm. and having written successful books myself, I thought, you know what, if it hits me well, it probably will hit someone else well too. And so there were some cases, like for example, Stephen M. R. Covey, he wrote this seminal book called The Speed of Trust. Mm. He's the world's expert on kind of personal trust. 
I barely discuss trust in the entire chapter. I share something completely different, kind of to his annoyance. We're very dear friends. Like, are you sure? <laughs> I said, Stephen, I mean, this had a profound impact on my own leadership. We might talk about that later. So yeah. I did what you said. I really sat back. I watched the interview. And then I thought about what happened off air. And then many times I'll go into an interview now and someone will say something. I'll realize that's what I'm going to share in the book. That's mm -hmm. what I'm going to share. And perhaps it was on camera or off camera, but I'm, I'm seasoned enough now, I think, to be a pretty good intuitor yeah. of what is profound and replicable and what perhaps is arcane and is specific to them. And so I'm yeah. trying to be an aggregator and a pollinator of other people's genius and share it out with broader people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you also share a sort of a prompt so that it's, it's a very actionable yeah. book. Like it's you, you, you read this insights and then you, you share a prompt for people to actually apply it. Were you, are you coming up with those yourself as well? Like what, what is that? Yeah. 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 Because otherwise, you know, it, there's lots of books that have great nuggets in them, right? I love books that, you know, even if you pick up one or two nuggets, it can be life changing. Like you yeah. have read thousands of books in my career, literally thousands. Mm. But the book just goes on your shelf if you're done, right? Yeah. And so to your point, at the end of each chapter, again, I'm quite proud and deliberate around it being light and easy and, you know, digestible. But to your point, I try to recap the big idea at the end of each chapter. And then I ask a fairly pointed question about, so what? So what now? How are you going to implement this idea? And that was, I think, what's been received actually the best from the readers mm. I'm hearing is they like actually the question at the end of the chapters, Yeah, sometimes better than the story because it was so piercingly personal to them. Yeah. This has been fantastic, Scott. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to know that there's, you know, a, a whole sort of series of these coming out and I'm, I'm so glad that you are doing something with that incredible body of work that is in the On Leadership podcast. Because thank you. Thank you. This, is, this is truly a gift to the world. So Thank you. My um, intention is to lift these people up and help to pollinate as an aggregator their ideas. I think I've learned, well, if I won't have an original thought, at least I can be a rocket ship for maybe others who have. And I think there is value in that. I'm quite comfortable now moving into this phase of my life where I'm a pollinator of other people's genius. And I think yeah. there's um, a place for me in that. Yeah. And may everyone out there go and sort of take that little bit of pollen from each of these different, uh, these mentors and, and sort of twist them into to new ideas. It's a great challenge you've thrown out there. So for folks who want to find out more about it, you've got the book, you've got the podcast, anything, and we'll include links to all of that in the show notes. Anything else you want people to check out? Well, you can visit me at scottjeffreymiller.com. That's my website where I have all of the podcast episodes, both audio and, and, and video, all of my ink columns, all my LinkedIn um, posts as well, how to hire me for a keynote or for how to engage any of my books or such. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Clubhouse. I'm kind of everywhere right all. now. My <laughs> wife says awesome. it's hard not to find me. And that's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Scott. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your generous sharing of all these thoughts. Thank you, Andrew. Hello, hello. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's Andrew again with a quick message. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us ratings and reviews where you listened. If you're on YouTube, 
hit the like and subscribe buttons and feel free to leave a comment. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to give us a rating and leave a review. Once again, we love hearing from our loyal listeners. If you're listening to this on Spotify, please hit the follow button to make sure that you don't miss new episodes as they come out. Thank you for listening.